What's up, everybody? It's Adam at Wayfinder. Hope you guys are having an awesome day. Um, today's episode, we've got my buddy, the author and researcher, Nevin Parr, back with us. Uh, we've been working on a series with Nevin and some other people for a minute now on ancient civilizations, human origins, uh, metaphysical stuff, the occult, astrology. Nevin's, like, got a lot of different knowledge in his head about different kinds of things. He's uh, he's a crazy person who does lots of research into lots of different stuff, and that's why I love him. He's also a very nice guy. And so we always have fun whenever we sit down to have a conversation. We always go really deep, really wide, kind of all over the place. Today, like we're talking about one of my most favorite things, one of the most exciting topics in the occult world to me, uh, the existence of giants in the world real giants giant human freaking things that lived a long time ago and maybe not as long ago as we might think and they're mentioned in all of the the religious texts and the mythologies and the legends and the songs of of all the different people from all over the world they're mentioned in the bible they're mentioned in the quran they're mentioned in uh um all the native american stories from the native americans all over the uh, the the continent they're mentioned in uh, the Norse mythology, Greek mythology, Chinese mythology, African mythology. They're all over the place. Giant humanoids used to exist, and we might be their descendants. Uh, we're going to dig into that. This is like one of the coolest topics. This is my, probably my favorite topic of all to talk about um, because the, the evidence for the existence of these things is so compelling. I can't wait to share this with you guys. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to dig into it now, talking about giants and the archangels and the fallen angels with our friend Nevin Parr on Wayfinder. What have you been up to? Oh, dude, uh, honestly, just writing on my book, man. I'm working on the second one, the uh, the one on Kundalini and uh, doing a lot of research. I'm finding out incredible things, how like the Kundalini knowledge of it has been around for, you know, from, from Sumeria to every one of these ancient civilizations had some depiction of the Kundalini energy. And uh, s some stuff I've known, some stuff has literally blown me away but i'm actually uh so i'm incorporating that as part of the book and just honestly working every day in terms of work like i'm not uh i do a little bit of work but work is because you know i do the the design on on the computer um architecture so um there's not that many projects there's a little bit of work here and there so the quarantine has been good in terms of me getting some some working on my books a lot working on drawings too for the books doing a lot of that yeah man i think it's been a good time for a lot of people creatively it certainly has been yeah. for me you know with yeah. music and with uh i do like sketching and stuff and so just mm -hmm. sketching journaling songwriting music playing all that stuff it's been it's been good for me you know yeah hopefully yeah. hopefully a lot of people are taking advantage of that that creative time you know yeah and plus to be getting like uh you know uh, money from the government so you don't have to think about I mean it's not as much as I was making right but you know um, it kind of feels a little bit like a vacation but yeah um, I am definitely worried about where it's going but we don't even have to get into that 
Yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. I'm glad though that you're you've got uh, your your other book on the way because you know we've yeah, man. been yeah. talking about the the uh, your first one um, uh, about Kundalini and and the Golden Dawn and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. It's such a such a badass book, man. And today, this conversation, like we've been wanting to put together this conversation since we first met, and it's one of my favorite topics. And I know it's one of your favorite topics to yes, get into. Is. Yeah. Um, and today we're we're gonna talk mostly about giants and what are the the what 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 are, what is the to me it's like completely beyond ir irrefutable evidence it's like yes. we, we yeah. have infinitely more evidence of giants than we do dinosaurs you know Absolutely, what i mean Absolutely, man yeah um, especially in america there's been yeah, so yeah. many uh excavated bones from mounds all over all over america yeah 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 and and i think the the to me the the story of giants in America and elsewhere is super cool because like throughout mythology and religions the world over you have stories of these giant humanoid uh, beings and sometimes they were like the royal family and they were the ones who were ruling over everybody they were the ruling class and mm -hmm. sometimes like in the Native American myths which I'm always been I've always been in love with the um, a lot of times the giants can be wonderful benevolent tribal people that sort mm -hmm. of live not usually alongside the Native Americans. They usually lived like far away, but they would intermingle sometimes. They would yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, a small hunting troop of gi these giants would show up at a Native American village and they would be nice and um, benevolent yeah. and um, they would teach them other hunting techniques or they would they would hang out with them and bring them food and stuff. But they always, you know, they were they were these huge. And when I say giants, I mean these things were twice, two and three times the size of a yeah. They man. were they were between twelve to average twelve to fourteen feet tall. Yeah. 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 And uh, a lot of a lot of people think that those may be the, you know, the same kinds of giants that the Native Americans talk about is like their hero twin saga. You know, the uh, the mythology of the hero twins that pops mm -hmm. up all, all over the place. You always have these like Native American stories about these giants that were big and tall and all that. What I think is interesting. Well, I don't want to get into that too much yet specifically, but the Native Americans have their stories of giants. Some of them are benevolent. Some of them are cool. And some of them were like these sort of Grendel from Beowulf. Um, yeah, you know, and they um, would eat humans. They would eat humans. And, they and were, that they connects were... to the Old Testament, where I mean, it, it it all connects back to the Nephilim, and then connects back to you know uh, the Watchers, and then you can reference that with the Anunnaki, uh, who were the giants originally, and um, they were allegedly the sons uh, of the the Anunnaki of the Watchers, and so they were they had some of that. Um, that extraterrestrial gene in them and and they were you know i mean we can get into that whole story but it's very interesting how there's religious references as well as you know historical finds archaeological finds as well as well there's mythologies uh, and, yeah mythologies know. and one of the things i used to be fascinated with just like uh you know i, I know a lot of us nerdy history students like to spend hours late into the night scouring google earth for anomalies and and crazy stuff to look at but i also used to do that with newspaper archives from around the country yeah from all over america from like the 1860s uh, through the 1940s whatever and you would just go like go look up any town you want and just like google tombstone arizona newspaper archives 1800s and there will yeah. be like a newspaper archive that comes up and you can catch the microfilm that's been digitized. And, and, and I shit you not, man, there are thousands of stories across the country mm -hmm. of these mm -hmm. giants 
that were dug up as as uh, people were moving west, as settlers were moving west during the gold rush and just during the settling of the Americas, um, the resettling of the America. Well, I should the colonization of the Americas, right? Yeah, yeah, they're uh, definitely ancient. They they come from ancient times. And yeah, they're connected with all of these ancient tribes, you know, uh, the native tribes and stuff here in America, but then also, um, you know, Middle East with all of these ancient uh, civilizations. So, so there's that connection. So the kind of kind of the the story of today is giants. Um, the evidence for giants, the reason why it matters if there were giants. I mean, like to me, it's infinitely more important and more more relevant to the to, you know, the to to mankind to know and to understand the truth about giants mm-hmm. versus like something like dinosaurs. And I, I keep, kind of keep comparing them to dinosaurs and I don't, I don't have a problem with dinosaurs. They're ancient, I, right? and they're, I love dinosaurs, yeah. but they got very little to do with us. No, exactly. um, yeah. You know, yeah, but these, yeah. these giants are, are extremely recent uh, yes. relative to a dinosaur. They also, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to imagine that they are probably our ancestors to some degree or another. Yeah, there, there's yeah, there's that connection. Um, yeah, you know, and so so we're going to talk about all that stuff today, and then also you and I, um, we sort of have this bone to pick with each other that you know, you <laughs> you you you're going to make the case to me that um, that these things were the the Nephilim, they were the Anunnaki, they were yes. the Watchers okay. of the Book of Enoch, and all that stuff. Which I'm down with all of that, uh-huh. um, and I'm actually not even against your idea that they were our creators. I just I'm, I'm curious to see if in the well, course of this conversation. They were the creators. They're connected to the creators. They they are okay. they're the sons of the creators. So according to okay. the, yeah, according to the Old Testament, they're the they're the sons of the gods. And the gods are our creators. And so according to the book of Enoch and the book of the what the book of the watchers, um, these guys who were they were they were watchers over humanity and they were um, some claim extraterrestrial beings that had, took part in our creation, and some of them rebelled. And 200 of them, led by this is a fall from the Book of Enoch, led by uh, one angel. You know, now the angel, the idea of them being angels, which means that they had the ability to fly, but that angel could be really uh, the word for extraterrestrial. And um, so 200 of them, led by uh, an angel named Samyaza came down to Mount Hermon and they made a pact between themselves to take the uh, to each of them take a human wife and to make uh, to make children and the product of these uh, you know sexual encounters were uh, these giants called the Nephilim from the Bible and um, and then what happened afterwards uh, these the uh, the um, the watchers, the fallen angels, the two hundred of these watchers, they they were worshipped by the by the humans as pagan gods, while the giants became they created the line of god kings, right? Because when you go back to these ancient civilizations, you go to Sumeria, and you go to Egypt, especially, you have the pharaonic line, which talks about the god kings. So essentially, the first kings were gods. So there's that connection. Now, now you know the question is who were the gods? Were they some um, some ethereal beings, or were they actual physical flesh and blood beings who were of extraterrestrial origin that were regarded by the humans to be um, superior in every way? And also, there's that connection that they were our creators, so we revered them, we learned from them, we got technology, mathematics, astronomy, all these advancements, and 
you know, how to start a civilization. We got all of that. And the giants are connected to that whole story because they were there from um, the primeval times, you know. But there's an actual timeline of when this apparently happened. Um, and, and I'm working on a book uh, called Cosmic Star Child talking about, because, you know, as you know, I've been doing a lot of... Uh, a lot of traveling to these different places, you know, Egypt, Peru, um, Greece, you know, just really looking into these ancient civilizations. Yeah, I want to I want to say that just for the audience. I mean, you know, you've actually been walking the walk. I mean, yeah, you're not yeah, just, really you know, have. you're not just, uh, you know, sitting around reading books about this stuff. You've no, traveled no. all over the world. You've been to Saxihuaman. You've been to Alantitambo. Mm. You've been to Egypt. You've been to Machu Picchu. You're going to these places. You're seeing the evidence yourself. And yeah. the megalithic evidence, the big stonework to me. Dude, that's it, that's right there is the smoking gun, you know, is yeah. like there's no way that Sacsayhuaman, take that. I love that example because it's a, it's an example of massive megalithic structure, um, but it's also an example of some kind of technology that was used to make the stone pliable and malleable so that it's like Play-Doh. Because, you know, these giant hundred ton uh, blocks stacked one on top of the other, they're so perfectly stacked that you can't slip with like a hair in between them and that's impossible man that's impossible to do by today's um by today's standards and today's technology to cut it so perfectly even laser laser cutting can't achieve that it's impossible you know and and you can tell that there was some kind of not only were there were there the, possibly the hand of um you know when you look at stonehenge right there's a uh, I was in Stonehenge last year, and uh, I, I heard that there's like a, a, a tale between the people that live in that area. They talk about how Stonehenge was built, and they say that it was actually built by with the help of giants. And when you look at these stone blocks, because what I did is I also spun around to um, Avery Circle, which is like really nearby Stonehenge. In that whole area, there's all these massive megalithic blocks that are just like stacked. So you have Stonehenge, which is actually stacked in a nice little architectural example of, you know, um, it's got some astronomical uh, value to it as well. But then you have, you know, Avery Circle, which is these like massive stone blocks. And the way that they're stacked, it's like, it would be impossible unless you're some giant being that can literally pick this thing up and position it so that it's sitting on its end and in just using like the force of gravity to balance itself. But over these past thousands of years that this thing is, has been sitting there, no wind and, 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 and all these different natural elements, nothing has moved it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's pretty mind-blowing. Yeah, I, I love Sacsayhuaman to me is the best example, irrefutable evidence of uh, ancient technology that was used to um, make the stones pliable, malleable, but also to lift them and put them in place. Um and also, because and what's interesting is Sacsayhuaman, the way that that this these structures are built. So like Machu Picchu, right? When I was in Machu Picchu, one thing that's that's very apparent is you have you have what the Incas built, and that's the stuff that's built on top of this existing structure. All all these like lower foundation walls of Machu Picchu are those exact type of architecture and those types of stone blocks that construction. And then you have what the Incas built on top of that with you know chisels and 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 stones and using mortar to bind it right because there's no mortar in sucks like woman that's what's that's so what's let me let me let me just clarify for some of the audience who may not know what we're talking about so there yeah. are what we're saying is that there are these there are sites all over the world that are built of ginormous stones 
uh, and this is called megalithic architecture. And these are giant stones that were used to build these things. And so a lot of people don't realize just how huge, like the stones that were used to build the pyramids, like those are huge stones, yeah. but there yeah. are there are sites around the world that are- Way bigger stones. Way bigger stones than yeah. that. And these things are many times, you know, this is like a few Greyhound buses if you squished them together and turned them into oh, a, yeah. a stone the size of half a house. Um, and so there are these these structures built all over the world. And so the one we're talking about is called Saxe Huaman, and it's S A C S A Y H U A M A N, and that's in Cusco, and that's in Peru. And just go look at this place, and and it's one of the most bizarre structures you can imagine. Uh, yeah, and just it's this one like of, massive wall, just massive walls of these stones that are completely asymmetrical. They're 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 not congruent at all. They're all shaped differently, and they were. It's like it's like a bunch of just random shaped things, but they fit together perfectly yeah. without any mortar, without anything in between them. You can't fit a, a razor blade or a sheet of paper between them. And you find this same kind of architecture all over the highlands of Peru, but even even in Egypt and even in India and yeah, other places, yeah. you, you find this same kind of architecture. And I think the, the argument that, that is made, that I think Nevin and I would both agree on, is that, they're, that w when you compare not just the architecture itself, but the mythology and the history around it from the local people and and all the stories of it and the religions that have spun their way down throughout history, it, it seems to point to the idea that these structures were built by what they would call the gods or whatever. Yes. And they yeah. were, in, in, in pretty much every single case around the world, these beings are described as being ginormous, being huge, yes. 14 foot. And also just having, uh, having technology that we don't even have today. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's... That type of construction, you know, if you go to Easter Island on on one side of the island, you have you have that exact same type of construction. Then even if you go to Egypt and the entrance to the Sphinx, um, I was blown away. I went two years ago to Egypt and uh, I saw these massive stones about the size of the stones that the Great Pyramids built, even bigger, and they're stocked on top of one another. And again, it's the same thing. And one thing that's common, it's it seems like. Um, all these civilizations from Egypt to Peru and onwards, uh, they all, they saw these existing stones, which are way older, and they built their monument on top of these stones, because that's what Machu Picchu is, that's what even the Sphinx, where it's like the entrance towards it is built, even the Temple of Abydos, which is, again, these massive megalithic blocks, which is like right by um, the Great Pyramid. And it's all over the world. I mean, if you just type in, you know, that type of architecture you put it into google and you'll find examples all over the world and it's usually like all these ancient uh all these ancient civilizations they all have some example of it in other words i think what they recognize the existence of the gods whoever whatever the gods meant to them and they built on top of these sites because they considered them sacred yeah you know and so that's and I, the biggest example of it is actually in Baalbek, Lebanon, and the stones, these are the biggest stones in the world, they're 1,500 tons. And they're projected from the ground 50 feet up, and they're stacked on a row. And right now it's the, uh, there was like v various temples that were built on top of this, um, and on Baalbek, uh, from the Rome, to, now I think it's the Temple of Jupiter from the Roman yeah. times. And they all considered it sacred. And um, but it's impossible, you know, 50 feet up. How do you project the stone? How do you lift it? It's like how would humans accomplish something like that? A 1500 um, 
upon stone you know yeah i saw i saw somewhere like they did a test and they they um somebody i think chris dunn um one of these guys <laughs> i think Same. did a an experiment or just made some phone calls and like did some research and found the biggest crane in the world that we currently have, like the yes, biggest yeah. crane that there is. And it's made to lift the biggest things that we have. And when you see yeah. this crane, um, you can Google largest crane in the world. Let me, let me just do that real quick since I'm here. So largest crane in the world. And if you look at this thing, it's an absolute construct. I mean, this thing is a, it looks like the golden gate bridge itself. That's what this crane looks like. And, um, the the maximum like payload capacity for that thing is slightly smaller than any of the stones at Baalbek that we're talking about. Yeah, like yeah. it'll carry like eleven or twelve hundred tons, and there's a couple of twelve and fifteen hundred ton stones yes. out at uh, <laughs> at Baalbek. So it's like literally we don't have a crane big enough to lift this stuff. And these guys today, are stacking yeah. them on top of each other thousands of years later. Yeah. Um. So that's all great and everybody should go look at megalithic architecture and just kind of follow that rabbit hole and, and we could definitely get into that later there's a lot of good places to find information on, on megaliths um most people know graham hancock and um uh, you know robert shock and uh john anthony west and all, all the usual suspects randall carlson um but i want to talk to you about giants because we agree on pretty much everything the one thing you you know we've talked about jokingly is like you got to make me a believer on this extraterrestrial sure. thing because I'm not sure. in the I'm not in that community. I, I I you know for me, when I think about you know the when we talked about this on a on a different in a different conversation, but to me when I hear stories about the you know us coming from the gods or the gods creating mm -hmm. us, I always saw it as like you know some monkey ate a mushroom while he was evolving on the African savanna and. You know, it woke up DNA in his brain and he connected to some mm -hmm. archetypal consciousness outside of our normal sphere and it imbued the monkey or the ape or whatever, the chimp with, you know, with more human higher thought and feelings and whatever. And, and that's how our sort of leap forward and evolution took place a few hundred thousand years ago. Um, and, and from that, all these other mythologies and stuff kind of naturally create themselves uh, because of the fractal, fractal nature of the universe. And... Um, that may not make sense to some people. It will to some people. But anyway, I never really, you know, when I when I first heard the like Eric von Daniken and all those guys, I was like, this mm -hmm. sounds really cool. You know, the idea that there's Nibiru and there's a, you know, Sumerian gods and all this stuff. But man, I'll be honest. There's a lot of fuckery that goes on with with Eric von Daniken and those guys. A lot of leaps that they make when there's they look a lot at, of leaps. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. They're so, like, yeah, I watch Ancient Aliens. I, I, I love the show, but I make the distinction between when they're talking about existing things and credible arguments and when they just go off the rocker and you could tell somebody like passed them a dube and they just went fucking to next level. Oh, and then all of a sudden there's a spaceship there. No, but they're, they're the, the exa examination of the existing evidence and the connection with aliens and, and Eric Von Daniken and chariots of the gods and and um you know honestly like when i first i really got into this heavily about three years ago which is kind of when my one part of my journey ended and then i got onto this journey that's when i started visiting like heavily two times a year visiting all these places in the world and you know getting into ancient aliens and you know shows on lots of ancient civilization shows on gaia that i watch and stuff and uh, just reading these books got a whole bunch back there and but then seeing the evidence in, in real life and um 
And then also referencing the stuff that we all know, the stuff from the Old Testament, you know, the the, the Nephilim, the, the giants, the the Watchers, the Book of Enoch. Why was the Book of Enoch taken out? Because it used to be a part of the, the Bible. So let's talk about out. that. So for a lot sure. of people who don't know, the Book of Enoch, that's one of the Dead Sea Scrolls, or is that Nag Hammadi? It's one of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's an apocryphal book from the Bible. So in other words, prior to, um, it was 325, that the Emperor Constantine had a Council of Nicaea, and they basically, it was all these Christian sects, um, and he wanted to unify all of them. And to do that, he also they also had to go through what was in the Bible at the time, and they took some things and they got rid of some other things. And I think that's where the political parts, uh, you know, how Christianity has been used for political purposes, and you have the Crusades and the Dark Ages and all and all that, and reforming everything to Christianity, destroying these old civilizations in the Americas and stuff. Um, it all kind of started there, you know, the political aspect of it, and it came from, a big part of it was taking out the Book of Enoch, because Jesus used to quote the Book of Enoch, and because to him it was a very re relevant part of our history. And the Book of Enoch, the main parts of the Book of Enoch, talks about the Watchers, and it talks about the fallen angels, which, like I said, is these 200 rebelling uh, watchers who rebelled who came down to earth to have who sex did they with rebel women. against so they rebelled against the other watchers you know the, the ones who were in charge of us and now you can make the comparison and the argument that we really had uh, a council of gods or extraterrestrials that um if we look at the oldest records we have the sumerian records these were the sumerian gods so you had enki the good guy the serpent from the garden of eden and you had enlil the bad guy, the one who created humans originally to be slaves, right? For us to mine for gold. And now you can make the connection with Zechariah Sitchin's work, you know, who, who did translate the cuneiform tablets, which is where we get all of these information from. That's the uh, Sumerian tablets, um, where it talks about this, the first mention of the Garden of Eden, uh, you know, and the Noah's flood, you know, under a different name there, way before the actual Old Testament was developed, you know? And so... Um, these guys talk about um, a time when these gods uh, came down to earth and um, they needed they they needed to mine for gold. Where did they um, come from? They come from Nibiru. Well, that's what Zechariah Sitchin says. The twelfth planet Nibiru. There's like one of these plaques that has uh, uh, actually shows our solar system, which is pretty mind blowing. Like, how did they actually know all of these different planets? And then they included the moon and the sun as planets as well. And then there was this thirteenth planet or 12th i'm not sure 12th planet 12th planet 12. um and it would be nibiru and the idea is that nibiru has an irregular elliptical orbit and then it spins around and uh every 3600 uh years and it comes close to earth and then it kind of it's part of our solar system but not now this part i used to believe and i used to i was like all into it during you know 2012 because that spelled the coming back of, of, of Nibiru and the gods and, you know, the end of the Mayan calendar, which would be the end of the world. None of that stuff happened. So there's no real physical evidence of the of Nibiru. But there is evidence of uh, the, 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 according to the cuneiform tablets, there is evidence of these gods, these gods coming down, taking part in creating humankind, um, it would be the date would be according to the tablets 250,000 years ago, whereas they came here 450,000 years ago, and so they developed man and they created man uh, by splicing their genes with the Homo erectus, who was like the ancestor of the Neanderthal man, 
And then you had side-by-side -side living the Homo erectus with the modern anatomic human, and who, and then the Homo erectus evolved into Neanderthal man, humans stayed the same, you know? Uh, but then we had different modifications that were done to us, apparently, by Enki, by the gods, that, you know, increased our, allowed us to tap into our DNA. And what's interesting is that there is what's called a human chromosome number two, which looks to be a result of an ancient fusion that took place. It's the one chromosome that separates us from any other living being on the planet. And it basically is, they're saying, scientists are saying, this is actual scientific evidence, that that's the chromosome that gives us intelligence. And that's why we're constantly uh, 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 advancing technologically, scientifically, in all these various ways, whereas all the other animals, because we are part animal, all the other animals are the same, right? We eat, sleep, you know, shit, fuck. We do that the same as the other animals, but what we have, we have intelligence. We have new, right? As we talked last time from yeah. hermeticism. We have the mind with the capacity to think the and logos. abstract. The logos, the word, right? It's the word of God. Why? Because we are gods. We're part gods. We have the soul. Our soul is divine. And, and, um, and so that's something then going back, that's something that was given to us by these extraterrestrial beings. Now, you know, you can make the claim to say these extraterrestrial beings, were they physical beings or ethereal beings? Like, and, you know, there's all kinds of theories, right? Uh, maybe they, you know, phase in and out of reality. They're at a different frequency of, of vibration, you know, but they take part in our reality. They affect us through the mind and all this different stuff. You know, you can make all kinds of arguments. But what I like to, the argument I like to make is that, okay, so these giants, we have physical evidence of them. And so these giants, according to the book of Enoch, were the sons of God and the daughters of, uh, and the sons of the gods and, and the daughters of men. And so these giants were um, uh, massive beings um, that had to have been created by, uh, by physical reproduction. In other words, how could an ethereal being impregnate a physical being? It's impossible. So they had to have been physical beings and that's how they created the physical giants. And so to me, that's irrefutable evidence that these giants didn't just come out of nowhere. Something created them. And there's so many, so many stories from all ancient traditions, mythologies, um, religions, they all talk about these giants, their existence. We have all these monuments. They're all over the Old Testament, too, by the way. All like, over. They're all, all over. over the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, they, I can't remember the verses off the top of my head, but they're like just, I don't know, there's dozens of verses if you go read through the Old Testament about these giants in the land of Canaan and how they were. Yes, yes. You know, Goliath was w just one of them that everyone's heard yeah. about was the story of yeah. David and Goliath. But it's easy to dismiss that if you think that like David and Goliath is the only story in the Old Testament that mentions a giant. It's not. There's dozens yeah. and dozens of, of accounts yeah. of the entire people of, I think it was Canaan. The Canaanites that, were either part Neanderthal or there were, there were also giants to some yep, extent. Yeah. Yep, yeah. 100%. And then there's stories of, of these giants having six <laughs> fingers on each hand. Yes, yes. Which is really fascinating because we um, we took the kids to Yellowstone a couple of years ago on our, our yearly big road trip that we do. And on our way there and back, every year wherever we go, we always stop at every like native site that we can talk to the native people whenever we can, get stories and buy the books you can't get anywhere else and see the sites. And we climbed up this cliff up in Vernal, Utah. It's on private property and we had permission. And we went up this cliff and there are there are cave, uh, not cave paintings, but cliff paintings 
all over the sides of these cliffs, way, way, way up overlooking this huge valley. And it's just amazing to see all of the, the, the things and the people that are depicted there. And right. uh, it was my, uh, my, my nine-year-old, who's, who was then probably seven, I think, who he, he yelled at me and he goes, Dad, come over here and look at this. And we see there's these giants that are painted up there and they have six fingers on each hand and they're twice as tall as the people they're standing right. next to. Right. Right. You know, and it's just it's it's bizarre. It's crazy yeah. because the proof is it, the proof is everywhere. It's right it's there. In the stories. Yeah. It's in the pictographs. It's in it's in the the religious texts of the of the Jews and the and the Christians and um you know it's in the fossil records. So like one of the things I wanted to talk about was so um we so I I grew up sort of in like Rockwall Texas area and that's a town near um, Dallas and there was a there's a show called America Unearthed. And they did. Uh, oh, okay. they, we put together an episode of America Unearthed where we dug up this rock wall that's here in Texas, and we've dug this thing up before. And uh, there's a friend of mine named Kevin Richardson that did the excavations, and we've had uh, Eric von Donikin's been to the wall. We have a mm -hmm. lot of, um, of of college professors from like uh, University of Texas uh, come out, University of North Texas, UTD, UTA, all that stuff. They come out and they look at this. They do paleomagnetic dating. Uh, they do archaeological stuff, so geology, archaeology, anthropologists, all these people coming out and looking at this giant wall. Um, what made it onto TV was not the story that was actually was not the conversation yeah. that was taking place. There's a cover up. The There's a cover up taking place behind their existence. Yeah, and I grew up knowing that this wall was the reason why the town of Rockwall was named Rockwall. But what I didn't know until 10, 12 years ago, I was doing some research on the giant thing and found some old newspapers from Rockwall, the city of Rockwall from like the 1860s, 1870s, when it was first being uh, uh, settled. And what they found was they were digging walls, uh, I mean, digging wells out here when they were settling, and they dug down and they hit a rock and then they, they, they tried to dig around it and they were like, we can't dig around it, it's too big, it's too big, it's too big. So they, they, they finally tapped it and it felt hollow, so they busted through this rock and they found this huge underground chamber with giant polished columns. Wow. And there were these polished columns that went all the way to the top of this huge chamber. It was like 60 feet deep. It was massive. Wow. They, they lowered a slave down inside of the, um, uh, or a servant in, down into the chamber. And he looked around and they found a bed that was 16 feet long. Oh. Um, they found yeah. an old dilapidated battle axe that was like eight feet long or an old wood chopping axe or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, there, and, there's, and there's a whole series in this old microfilm of like the de of the, the the rock wall sun or whatever that newspaper was called from the 1860s where they went back in there the next week and there was an update in the newspaper about it and there's all of this and nowadays you know you can't even you can't even get people uh you know uh, certified like professors and academics and stuff who will have these conversations and talk about this what they found right. they don't want to you, you can't get them to say it on the camera because they don't want to lose their job yeah, that's the thing is that there's been a taboo created in society by the scholars uh, about the existence of the giants. Why? Because it completely changes human history, right? It changes the religious books. It changes us coming from, uh, you know, God and, 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 you know, changes Christianity, changes all these different religious books of where we come from, well, who our ancestors are and all of that. And that's why you know, it would be too much work and too much political implications to have to rewrite all of that. So what do they do? They cover it up, right? The Smithsonian's involved very much in the covering up of these giant, uh, giant remains, which, like you said, there's thousands, and especially in the old 
clippings of articles when you research at that level you can find all of it you know i just i ordered a book the other day literally giant book 600 pages clippings and, and articles from you know back in the day of thousands of examples of giants being uncovered right it's everywhere yeah i think it's it's hard to control people whenever they know that they're descended from giants <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah because like cause the question is like okay how does this fit into history who are the giants are we how are we related to them right because i think what's happening is that the giants they are our connection to something that they don't want us to know and that's right. our true origins which like i say is extraterrestrial and i know i'm not gonna convince you in 45 minutes, an hour, two hours. It took me a long time to get convinced of just looking, you know, following the rabbit hole and, and, and you know. Um, I just want to know where they come from, and I, I just want to see the evidence for it. Make me a believer. I'm open-minded. Yeah, I just... yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like, through our conversations, I'm, I'm, my mind's there, right? Like, this is what's on my mind all the time, and I'm, I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. Now, I don't know. I don't have all the details, and keep in mind, I've been on this journey for three years. When we have this converse, same conversation two years from now, when I really work through my book, which is, you know, I'm working on a book concerning this stuff, I'm going to be even, I'll be even clearer and be able to explain better the situation. Right now, I'm, you know, I'm okay, but, you know, there's so still you, a lot out there I'm trying to figure out. Do right? you think that the, uh, do you think the giants were, like, do you think that the Atlanteans were giants? Good question, yeah. So let's go there, definitely, because... Uh, according to Plato, right? Plato says in Critias and Timaeus, his two main books, he says that uh, the Noah's flood event happened to destroy the Atlanteans, and it, that the Atlanteans were under the uh, uh, they were Poseidon's uh, under Poseidon's rule, and Zeus came by, came by. Zeus, Zeus is the one who destroyed Atlantis and sunk Atlantis, right? And this his date, 9500 uh, BC is the same date that, that they give for what's called the Younger Andreas uh, event that happened, which is, you know, 11,500 years ago, we were still kind of in an ice age. And then something happened. They think that either a solar flare or a comet burst, and all of a sudden, you know, it, it hit the Earth and it created, you know, this uh, greenhouse effect, which, uh, you know, melted the glaciers and all this water came rushing down. And that's how... That's the scientific evidence behind or scientific claim behind Noah's flood, which they say is an actual thing that happened, right? And and it's the same date, 9500 BC. And then you have connected to that same date, um, and then you can connect, okay, why according to the Old Testament was uh, why were the why did God send the flood, right? To kill off the Nephilim, the giants. Why? Because according to the Old Testament, they were eating the humans. And, and and they were ravaging the world. They were, you know, they were they were beasts. You know, they you could never feed them enough. They ate all of our produce. And um, also they 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 released all this stuff to humanity that we shouldn't have known. And and stuff that like war. Wars were created because they gave us they gave they taught us how to fight. They gave us weapons, you know, and all of a sudden the whole world is the Sodom of Gomorrah story. We were involved in perversion. Uh, and, and, and you know we were we were at war always, and then you had these giants that were fucking eating, eating humans. And so God, according to the Old Testament, you know created Noah's flood, told Noah, you know, save two of each species, male and female, and so we can continue in the new world, right? Um, but it's interesting 
that date, 9500 BC. That's the date that even Gobekli Tepe, right, the world's oldest temple, they say it was, that's when it was built, right? So it was either built and then covered up before the Great Flood to save, um, and we can get into Gobekli Tepe because that's a really important topic to this whole, not only giants, but ancient civilizations, our history, you know, uh, religion, spirituality, it all connects to that. Because And also the Atlanteans, because there was one source of, there was a source of spirituality, a source of wisdom for us. And according to Plato, that was the Atlant Atlantis and the Atlanteans. And according to Madame Blavatsky, the Atlantean may have been the Cro-Magnon man. And we talked about that last time. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I yeah, get down and, with that idea. If anyone who's ever looked at the Cro-Magnon man, you know, when we hear that term, we tend to think like Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon no, no, man, different. same thing. Like they were just some big dumb apes that slapped their hand on a cave wall, you know? Yeah. But the uh, now the scientists are starting to, to, to really seriously consider that the Cro-Magnon men, first of all, they have a, a, a much larger cranial cavity yeah, than we do. Yeah. They're taller. They're taller they're, than us. They're taller. They were bigger, bone stronger, density, yeah. more athletic, more bone density. They were giant superhumans, and they yeah. were they were uh, way bigger cranial capacity, stronger jaw lines. Um, but they would have looked a lot more like us than like the Neanderthal, who we, yeah. we think yeah. of looking like. You know Barney from The Simpsons. You know, like sloped yeah. forehead, really not, not a very human-like thing. But Cro-Magnon men uh, could have been beautiful. Yeah, you know, think of them as like sort of giant they look like Viking, ice. just giant, giant. Imagine us just blowing us up one point. You know, by two hundred percent, we'd be what twelve feet tall, look the same, still look everything right. would be the same. We would just be substantially taller, bigger brains, which means more intellect, right? More right. intelligence. And what's interesting, I actually just kind of found this information the other day. They say that the Cro-Magnon man came upon the earth 35,000, uh, 30, he lived from 35,000 years ago to 10,000 years ago. And what's interesting is that that date is what the Enochian records say when the giants were created, when um, when the, the, the watchers or the fallen angels had sex with human women. They say it's... Thirty-five thousand years ago, and oh, that was really? interesting. Yeah, what says that? Where, where, where is that information? That's from the, it's in the Enochian records. So in the book where of is Enoch. That? Oh, that's uh, in the that's in the book yeah, of in Enoch. The book of Enoch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And what's interesting, and what's also interesting to add to that, you have this time in the world called Zeptepi. I don't know if you heard of it. Yeah, it's the before time. Before time, when according to Egyptian records, when the gods lived with the humans, and their date when Zeptepi started. Thirty-five thousand years. Exactly. Yeah, the so Egyptians. Like, is that a coincidence? You know. That's crazy. You know, I never thought about that. I I had heard before that the Cro-Magnon men showed up like thirty-five, forty thousand years ago. Yeah. Um, I did. I, I I wasn't thinking about the fact that like some people that I consider to be pretty reputable, like you know Robert Shock and John Anthony mm -hmm. West, who's no longer with us, they've said for a long time that they think that uh, some of the constructions in Egypt are are most Much likely. Old. 35 or so thousand years old yeah, yeah, and yeah. the Egyptians Kings list, which is written on a temple wall. I forget which one and you, you might know, yeah. but uh, I'm not sure either. Yeah, but there's, but it's, that's, there's an there's Egyptian. Yeah. There's an Egyptian Kings list written on this whole temple wall and they'll show it to you when you take a tour of Egypt and they'll show you the Egyptians Kings list. But what they won't show you is that the opposite wall has a whole other, you know, list of Kings that existed during Who the gods. Who were the yeah, gods? They and were the they gods. Were... They had Thoth, Horus, Osiris. They were all apparently on and, Earth as our god kings. And that lineage goes back again, 
35,000 35, years. Yeah, so which you is... see the three connections there. You got Book of Enoch, you got the Egyptian King's List, and then you modern know, you have the modern archaeology. Modern archaeology, right? And yeah, like, what, the... is that a coincidence, right? Like, come on. Yeah. You know? It's it is interesting. So, do you think that like Osiris and a lot of those Egyptian gods were they real people, like real flesh and blood things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were fle flesh and blood aliens. And what's interesting? So you think Osiris was an alien? So was he? Was he? Would yeah. you would you say well, that he's Osiris? From Sirius. He's from Sirius, right? So talk about that because that's the stuff sure. I'm interested to learn that I don't know. Is like what okay. is because I always wonder where they're from because I the yeah. evidence I see on ancient aliens and stuff from like for them being on this planet that comes around every 3,600 years. I, yeah, no, I'm not. I don't feeling buy that it. Theory at all? Yeah. But I'm 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 very interested in. Look, here's the thing, you know, I'm a big believer in astrology. Um, not a believer. I understand it. So you, once mm -hmm. you understand astrology, it's not to be believed. It's to be understood. And so I, I get it. The stars are important and they're special and people have connections to the constellations and different people connect with different star systems. And there's a reality to that. There's also reality to um, the fact that the, the smartest people in human history that we have record of, the Egyptians, um, built the most impressive um, things in human history and they were aligned to the stars yeah. and they yeah. appeared to venerate and, and they and, and appeared to be in some ways gateways to these different star yeah. systems and yeah. stuff. And the Great Pyramid in particular points um, at, at Orion or what they would, would have belt. called yeah. Osiris. Um, and there's a, I think there's a, a shaft or something in the King's Chamber that points at Sirius. It points or straight to, uh, yeah, yeah, to, to Sirius. So anyway, so that's that that's that's sort of, you know, that's how much I do know and how much I'm on, I'm on board with. Um, so what I'm really curious about is cause I've, I've wondered about this, like Osiris and those guys, were they flesh and blood yeah. aliens or, or angels or gods or, or extra dimensional beings that vibrated into this reality? Well, well that's way. also a theory. That's also a credible theory as well, right? They could have been, uh, multidimensional beings that are able to phase in and out of this reality. Right. And we could see them, we could see them as you know, physical beings, they appear like that to us, but they're multidimensional. So that's a theory as well. But to some extent, they are flesh and blood in the sense that, not in the sense that we can kill them, because there's not really any record of any of them dying. They live for thousands of years. Right. Right. And, and even humans, prior to Noah's flood, according to the Old Testament records, humans used to live for hundreds of years. Right. And, and I, you know, there's a theory behind that. Why did we stop living for so long? I, and, Why do you and think? I think well, I think our, our agriculture has a lot to do with that because we established agriculture, um, you know, Sumerian times, 5000 BC. Um, and that's when we established agriculture and in, around these different rivers, the Ganges, you know, you have the, the in India and, and, you know, in China, Yangtze. And, and um, we always established our agriculture around these different major rivers, Tigris, Euphrates, right? But agriculture, grains, because what's interesting is that they haven't found through fossils, they haven't found any grains prior to 10,000 BC. In other words, it yeah. was just wild, wild, you know. Right. Wild, yeah, so the actual grains, they say, it's a theory, were, was brought to us by extraterrestrials to help us establish civilization. And, and so, and, but for that, we need agriculture. We need to like, we can't be, you know, nomads. We can't be hunters, gatherers, move from one place to the next kill the animals off and go to the next place. we got to settle in an area, right? So we needed greens for that. So they brought that here. But at the same time, that also killed off our life cycle. We no longer live for hundreds of years 
we now live average 80 years, 90 years, you know? Yeah, I always, um, I was always, uh, you know, sort of just speculated that that was because um, the, the age difference thing was because our environmental conditions maybe became different after one of these cataclysms, you know, particularly maybe the last one at the end of the Younger Dryas. I, mm -hmm. I, I, had a, I had a history teacher that was really astute when I was younger, and he mentioned course i don't know the historical evidence for this but I've, I've come across mentions of stuff like this in different old texts but the idea that there was a, at one point there was a water table around the earth mm. and that during maybe the last flood because there have been many 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 floods yeah according yeah. to uh plato and the egyptian priests and stuff this fire and floods seem to yeah there were cataclysmic events yeah they happened secretly flood yes yes but uh but the the this guy mentioned that like there was a water table and that that water table would have filtered out a lot of the sun's um the the rays that uh degrade our cells our cellular structure That's, over yeah. time and what i thought was really fascinating was that that movie noah with um with uh russell crowe Crow. i love love that. love that movie i, I bet that. you love that movie i love it so much we watch it all the time um you know and and uh in that in that movie, you'll notice at one point when he looks up at the sky, the water this, comes from the ground. Well, I'm saying when he looks up at the sky, there's twinkling up in the sky during the daytime everywhere, and it's clear that there's water yeah, up yeah. there. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it was yeah, yeah. what my history to teacher told me 20 something years ago. You know, they make this movie that has a lot of gnostic or esot esoteric or um, apocryphal yeah, yeah. knowledge in it, um, the Watchers and all that stuff. Oh, and then yeah, here's this water table up there, you know, because yeah. one of the things is that like barometric pressure has a lot to do with how we age and how we heal and how our cells rejuvenate. Mm -hmm. So like if someone's got certain problems, they'll stick them in a barometric chamber and that additional uh, air pressure and whatever else it like it, 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 it rapidly or, 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 or massively enhances uh, cellular regeneration in pretty much every area of, of, of the body. And so there was this uh, sort of, I can't remember if it was Stan Deo or one of these really out there intelligent guys that was talking about the barometric pressure of the earth was different thousands of years ago. Gravity was less a, you know, a, a long, long time ago, which is why you have dinosaurs that were massive, so massive and like things like the brontosaurus, when you look at their head and their neck and their body, they yeah. couldn't exist nowadays because gravity would make them pull their him, head yeah, would just, break they, his neck. <laughs> they break their neck. They couldn't do yeah. it. So anyway, there's a, I think a lot of evidence that there's, um, or at least some evidence that uh, the environmental conditions, the barometric changed conditions, our... changed, and and we no longer. It's like we have back problems. We're right. the only animal in the world that has fucking you know random, uh, you know biomechanical problems with our body just falling apart because we we're not built for this gravitational state well some some say i mean there's theories also that that we have ah, theories a theory we come from mars and that yeah. actually um we are built for mars that we're not built for here and that's part right. of the reason why we have all of these uh physical issues that we develop over time and stuff a hey, theory hey let's you know a lot Idea. of these are theories right like we can spin off different theories here and there but you know um sadly we can't prove any of this right yeah, I don't know. It's just fun to kick around as long as there's some kind of evidence to talk about. Right, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's got ideas about shit, but like, I'm, I'm really interested in the things that of there's... Of course, actual evidence. Some kind of evidence, even yeah. if even if it's, you know, whatever. But I, I think it's interesting because there's a lot of crazy stories about the Giants, and I think that they, um, you know, there's... 
our connection to them, you said it earlier, like really the best way is like to understand that there are giants and that we're connected to them is to, is, is, is then to investigate um, further. What, further. Yeah. And that's the thing that, that, that certainly, if you were in control of this planet and, and the religious structures and the political structures, it's not a good idea. <laughs> the financial structures, the last thing you want people realizing is that they're descended from giants who are descended from gods and that that spark of divinity is within each one of us and that right. we don't need them go, right? to gain access to it. So, like, really suppressing Atlantis and suppressing giants, I realized at a point that that had to be the most important thing that the Pope and that, you know, the banking... They don't want us to know. Right. Yeah, it's the biggest thing that they can't let happen. Have you ever heard of, um, and I think that this would probably jive with a lot of what you believe, but this is sort of new information to me. Have you ever heard of a guy named Michael Tessarian? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. Um, he's the f one of the first ones to come out with some of these theories, as far as I know. Yeah, he's he's um well he's he's an Irish researcher guy. He's been doing this for like thirty years, but he's like a mm -hmm. master of the occult. You'd you'd really dig him, um. But he has this uh, this sort of you know he's kind of like Graham Hancock. He syndicates a lot of different research. He's got the occult knowledge to add to, and that's very important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's yeah his 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 understanding of occult and astrology and like tarot and. Uh, and that stuff, um, particularly all those occult ceremonial things of like the old families and stuff like that, his is, is probably the, the greatest of anyone I've seen. Like he's he's uh, he's friends with Jordan Maxwell, and of course Jordan Maxwell was one of Manly P. Hall students, and oh, yeah, he's so he's great. very much of that occult Manly P. Hall sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But anyway, what what Tessarian, the, the 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 like the fundamental belief about Tessarian's like worldview is that. We didn't come from Africa. Humans didn't come from Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, in his view, uh, Ireland is like sort of the the the, the origin of civilization. And okay. um, I would I would sort of bypass that and say yeah, that. I've never heard that before. Okay. Yeah, he's got a book called The Irish Origins of Civilization. This dude writes like 800-page books with 300 pages of footnotes. And like he's... Right. He really yeah, gets it. but. Research. But a serious, serious guy. But I also think there's a lot of Irish bias going on there with him. Sounds um, like it. Yeah. But, uh, but my point is, all you got to do is read all of his stuff and absorb it because it's all good. <laughs> and then just take it the next step further. And it's yeah, like, yeah. Ireland was just an outpost of Atlantis. Atlantis was a giant <laughs> continent that was in the middle of the Atlantic. Well, that, yeah. You know, yeah. They, there, there's pyramids. It would be current Antarctica if we had to locate... You know, the, the most credible theory about Atlantis is that Atlantis was current Antarctica. That that And that's why right now, you know, there's so many uh, things that are being discovered in Antarctica. And apparently there's like massive projects going on there. And we can even get into like, you know, space Nazis and stuff like that. And yeah. establishing bases there. And, and, you know, you have the secret space programs that are, doing research there's all kinds of land like spaceships three mile long spaceships there's a few that were uncovered that are under the ice and some are apparently even peering out so you can see it in google earth and they have to you know every now and then they gotta as the ice is receding and you're seeing more of these structures from like pyramids out there to you know to to technological things like actual spaceships they gotta constantly nasa has to constantly like update things and so you because they don't want people knowing this information. Yeah. But apparently, Antarctica, Atlantis was in Antarctica. And at one point in time, it was, like, rich with, it was, a you know, 
tropical weather and you know it was literally the opposite of what it is now yeah yeah there's um some people think that yeah there's still there's still that civil there's still civilizations that exist there under the ice oh, yeah. some sort of tropical oh, yeah, tropical conditions that have existed in, in these sort of ice domes and stuff and um there's a lot of interesting stuff if you look at the science of antarctica it's not clear to me that this place is completely a barren wasteland oh you no. know and more, um, more and more evidence uh you know daily coming out about it and apparently antarctica is also the there is a massive hole there's a massive literally literally entryway into now if you we we should get into we inner caverns of the earth the the inner earth this is where the giants went if you want to find giants now you're going to find them there They're, you're not going to find them on the surface of the planet because they've been killed off right and and at, after the flood they all went inside the earth to live there and a lot of these uh native tribes uh they have stories mythologies the makushi tribe uh talking about going into the inner earth and finding these giants who literally had like a whole world carved carved yeah. out inside there that they had their own like artificial sun that they had they had, mm -hmm. you know everything was giant right like their their grapes are massive their apples are massive everything's giant it's, it's uh very interesting and this is all part of mythology and also part of uh you know what people are saying they're discovering now yeah 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 the uh, the native americans all over the place have uh stories of giants in caves um mm -hmm. you know where they would go down deep into the earth like mount shasta particularly is yes. a very special place um there's a mountain in flagstaff arizona and i've mm -hmm. been there and i didn't even know that it was it was a thing when i was there and then like literally on the other end of my road trip, I was reading about that mountain, and I was like, "Shit, I missed it." I didn't even go in there and check it out. But so exciting a, to see these places! Eh? It's so exciting to go see them. Yeah. And, and but inside, um, like that mountain, again, there are newspaper articles from the 1870s where like gold miners in Flagstaff were encountering these giant fucking monster things, right? And they were right. coming up missing, and you'd have 14 miners go in there, and six of them come running out. Yeah, screaming and 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 you know talking about a giant thing, yeah. um, and then you go read the, the Native American mythology that dates back hundreds and you know thousands of years earlier, and they're telling the same stories about that same mountain, about those same places, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Mount Shasta and Flagstaff and um, uh, Pyramid Lake in Nevada. I think there are these places where there's caves, there are monsters, and there are newspaper articles that match up with hundred or thousand year old native american stories right, um, right so i think you're right i'm a big believer that the earth is very spongy yes um yeah. it's apparently know, like I, catacombs apparently they're a, like catacombs in there yeah yeah and, and 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 even beyond beyond that you know the imagery i get with catacombs even beyond that like um there's that hong san dun cave in vietnam have you mm -hmm. seen that there's no, the, the big it's the biggest underground cave they've ever found and um I keep doing this thing just for the uh, audio listeners. I'm sharing my screen with Nevin. And <laughs> That's pretty cool. I didn't know you could do that. And That's when I awesome. when I do that, I There we go. All right, can you see it? I got nothing here. You got nothing? No. What the hell? I was happening? seeing sucks I want on earlier when you Oh, there we that. go. Okay. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah. I don't hopefully this will come through on the YouTube um this will come through on the the YouTube video. It yeah. Well, it's it's on my screen. 
being recorded so so right this, on look at that that's beautiful so this is a beautiful cave uh this is the world's largest cave that we've oh, discovered wow. so far and look at this person standing here wow. with this giant cave and there are um look at that little person standing there wow. and you can fit essentially okay if you've ever been to like i just think of dallas but probably any skyline besides like new york you can fit a 55-story building in here, and, and and the size of it is basically, this is like downtown Dallas. You could Holy. fit all of downtown Dallas inside of this cave. Um, it's a huge cave, and um, this is just one that some f random farmer happened to find on his land. And that's just one cave. The earth is full of these kinds of things. Filled. Build. It's absolutely filled with this kind of stuff. And we just, you know, we just kind of scratch the surface and we don't really ever see things. And I mean, shit, dude, there have been, as you know, like there are pyramids that people are still finding that they thought were, they thought was a mountain. For oh, the last dude, in, my, in my home uh, country, in Bosnia, um, what, about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, a uh, guy discovered uh, pyramid structures. And it's, yeah. it is the biggest, I've been there three times. And I always go, I'm very excited when I go there. It's definitely a pyramid, man. Yeah. Right now, they, they've discovered underground tunnels, right? And it's it's what an ancient pyramid is. It's an energy-generating machine. It's a power plant. And that's what essentially the Great Pyramid is, even though, you know, the Pharaoh Khafre Hold decided on. to... Mm -hmm. I want to stick. I want to stick on the Hollow Earth thing for right. a <laughs> But I'm with you. Yes, the Bosnian yeah, yeah. Pyramid's a thing. It's a crazy thing. But yes, to your point, we don't know what's going on on, the, on this planet. We, we are... No pretty oblivious the, the average person um and the even the average scientist uh, certainly the average history teacher is completely oblivious to most of this stuff right and and, and we don't really know how many caves are inside the earth but whenever if, you have they did, like they're not revealing this information this is going to be that you're not going to get the exact information here why because there's so much going on in there from you know special projects and things like that that they don't want you to know about this is that like side of the world that most regular people are not going to find on Google, you know, yeah. but, but if you look deep enough, you will find what's, what it's going on there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think that, um, you know, and we've, of course, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but you know, the Admiral Bird. Uh, yes. There's a guy named Admiral Bird. Did we talk yeah, about yeah. this? Did you and I? No, we, no, but I know the story. Very I know you know we, it, we but in Antarctica, you went in with, that's where the Nazi, uh, the yeah. So in the, in the, in the, in the, the late forties after world war two, uh, an extremely highly decorated Navy Admiral, uh, with the U S military took a bunch of a whole Naval flotilla of ships and stuff and aircraft carriers and battleships and 4,000 troops. They went down to Antarctica. Like, first of yeah. all, what the hell? Yeah, why, why even go there, right? 4,000 yeah. troops and a whole mm -hmm. bunch of ships and battle cruisers and aircraft carriers and all this stuff to Antarctica after yeah. the war, way after the war. Yeah. And the story as it goes is that they got their butts kicked by some um, extremely advanced flying saucers. Um, saucers. It really was. I mean, it's, they were flying saucers, and, and yeah. they zipped around so fast they messed up their whole fleet. They they came limping back into South America. I think they were, came back to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, or something, mm -hmm. to some military base or whatever that we have down there because America's got bases everywhere. But uh, they just came limping back in after getting their butts kicked. And, and Admiral Byrd said that, you know, they what they had encountered down there was 
um, was flying ships that were capable of moving from pole to pole in a matter of minutes on the Earth. Yeah, and spinning, and, zigzagging, right? That's another, yeah, there was zigzagging there was all over the place. Special technology that, yep. that to be able to do that. And they threw they threw him uh, they threw him into a mental institution. You know, that's what they do, you know, but that's back then, you know, um, it wasn't uh, people were still they still had hope in the governments and stuff that the truth would be released. Now, you know, you find something like that happens to you, you know that you can't go public with that because you know that, that yeah. it's part of those hidden things that the governments don't want you to know. They yeah, don't want they're, you to know they're gonna send, They're going to send Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones after you with a little flashlight. Exactly. Blink well, it in I mean, your that's face. That's the Men in Black, right? Where that's where yeah. the idea came from. The yeah, they have. Goal. I think they have that ability. But yeah, I'm really fascinated with the idea that Antarctica was a was a part of Atlantis. I think um, that, like I know some people do, that Atlantis was was sort of a uh, a widespread culture, a widespread civilization. You know, like um, to me, like the if you look at the Azores, like a lot of people don't even know where the Azores are, but it's these islands that are like halfway between New York and England in, in the Atlantic, in the North Atlantic. Is it, is it Azure Islands or Az- Azores? Uh, Azores, A-Z-O-R-E-S. Yeah, yeah, okay. They're yeah, islands, yeah. Right? They're, they're, and, and they're beautiful islands. So this is the Hawaii of the Atlantic is what is what this oh, is okay, called. Okay. It's like the Hawaii of the Atlantic. And like, I, th- I go back and think of, you know, if I was, if I was royalty, if I was some Anunnaki Nephilim royalty, some Atlantean king or or the the lords and ladies of Atlantis, um, and I wanted a place to to call my home, I would go to the fucking Azores or That's something what like they that. Say, yeah, you yeah, know, they say it's possible that Atlantis was in the Azori Islands. Yeah, well, That's one other theory. There's well, my what I'm what I'm suggesting is that. Well, first of all, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is this is a fact that we can Google right now. But they have found a pyramid off the coast of the Azores in the in the water. Um, yeah, is that? A, I'm not, here, I'm pulling it up. I'll show it. I know to there's you. a they found pyramids like right under Cuba. Yeah, they found and they're those saying too. That could have also been Atlantis, and that was some big news years ago. Big discovery, and it got covered up, and nothing yeah. came out from it. That's that's how it goes. But that's that's the thing is that I these pyramids they are in the water off of Cuba and the Gulf of Mexico. And yeah, I think that's that's what I am talking about as well. All right, here we go. We're looking at this pyramid off the Azores. Um, some of these are not real pictures, by the way. If anyone's watching yeah, this, yeah, but yeah, I'm trying to find some real sonar images because they do exist and I've seen them. It could be um, that you see the two the art the columns there. I think that could be real. This one here. Oh, no, up up here at the Atlantis found question mark. Um, I don't know if that's real. I remember seeing no. stuff like that. I don't think so. But here's the Azores. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful volcanic island chain, and um, here we go. Yeah, this is a sort of a sonar, you know, graphic thing or whatever. But anyway, you can look at it. I I did dig into this a bit because you know I'm real skeptical about this stuff because I get so excited about it that I don't ever I don't ever want to look stupid by spreading around bullshit. So I did look into this, and it's a thing. It is a thing. There's a real pyramid. They found it. It's about 400 feet deep in the in the ocean down there, and um, and and that's more evidence of uh, you know, what's it's to a support our pyramid in, in in the ocean. Yeah, and 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 then they're yeah. down there off of Cuba. Yeah. And then if you look at Edgar Casey talked about there being a, a Hall of Records down in the Yucatan, 
Um, and then what do you find in, down in the Yucatan? You find pyramids all over the place. All over, all Feathered over. Feathered serpent pyramids and stuff. And um, and then there was a book written um, called Atlantis Under the Ice by a couple of your fellow Canadians. Oh. Um, <laughs> did you ever read that? It was, no, it's, no it, never, never heard it, of it. It's a book that Graham Hancock references often, but um, it's uh, by, a, by a, a married couple named Rose and Rand Flamath. And they spent... Okay. They moved to like London or something from Canada and, 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 and just to have access to like whatever that big library is there, like the Library of England or whatever the hell it's called. Uh -huh. I don't know. Okay. And they just lived in that library basically. They just, they, they were school teachers or something and they just took their life savings and they just went and moved into the damn library in London and yeah. they just studied every book they could find and brought together this evidence that what you're saying, like Atlantis essentially was on Antarctica. And that through mm -hmm. some sort of crustal displacement, crustal displacement, that, yeah, that yeah. Antarctica shifted Shifting down of the poles. Yeah. yeah, the poles flipped. The the magnetics got all messed up. And that and... ties into that story also that uh, there was a meteor that hit the Earth or something to make it spin off its axis and the poles and shift and crustal displacement to occur. So yeah, kind of around that time frame of like eleven and a half, twelve thousand years ago that the thing sank, which then coincides with. Plato, Old Testament, you know, because we don't really know much about Atlantis at all. No, we really don't. Um, there is, uh, I was, I was watching a Stan Deo video a while back on on Instagram. Anybody who wants to look up Stan Deo, it's D E Y O, and um, this dude has like ten PhDs and in, in like astrophysics and all kind of, kind of crazy stuff, fluid mechanics, and I don't even know what else. But he's done all kinds of like consulting for NASA. He's a very, very credentialed guy. He's also kind of wacky, you know, but he's he's really, really smart and he's got crazy ideas to look up. And uh, one of the things he pointed out was that the uh, and I'm looking for Google Earth right now, but my brain's not working. <laughs> um, one of the ideas he brought up is that like if you go to Google Earth and you look at um, certain places in the world you can see on the globe like where a certain like where a meteor impact was and if you look at uh like you can literally see mountain ranges that were pushed up in a big sort of semicircle, and you'll see the land it's almost like if you threw a baseball into the mud on, on the beach or yeah, something yeah, yeah, at an it. angle right, right it right. just pushes it up and um I, I do i do sometimes wonder very much if uh the reason for these cataclysms or at least one of them in there somewhere was um a meteor hitting yeah. the earth and doing something like that. And we know with like the younger Dryas situation that that was probably a meteor that hit the ice caps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, my point is I was trying to find Google earth and show you, I guess I must've deleted it off here. Anyway, if you look at the Southern tip of South America, you can see one of those sort of what looks to me like a meteor crater. Yeah. 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 Well, right where Antarctica is. Is, it, is, is there like on Easter Island or something? Well, I saw it like recently also. There's a massive crater. I think it is on... Oh, man, I'd have to look it up. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, yeah. There's Anyway, it's a fascinating place, Antarctica. Yeah, all over it's the place, It's a fascinating place. Yeah, yeah I've, 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 looked up, um, I've looked up some things on, on, uh, on Google Earth, and you can see like there's some crazy... Um, I, for lack of a better word, it almost looks like... Um, like a an airport hangar exit hole mm -hmm. that like mm -hmm. comes out of the ice in Antarctica and there and there's right. there's that's what I was referring to the big there's hole like, yeah 
there's like dozens of them and, and, yeah. and, and they're like these big holes and mm -hmm. I use my little Google Earth measuring tool and they're like 300 feet across, mm -hmm. but they're like polished perfectly like semicircle with That's a it. flat bottom. Um, and, and there's, there's, you know, there's quite a few of them. Let me see. And, and you're not allowed to fly there. Eh? You're not allowed to fly there. That's whenever they're doing expeditions in Antarctica, they're strictly told never to fly there. And yeah. the one or one or two people that did there's, uh, they actually, they said, exactly what what we're saying the massive holes and they lead into like a whole different world entry into a whole different world under uh, under the ice there it's not hard to not hard for me to imagine that that the the electromagnetic situation down there would would allow you to fly inside of the earth and and, well, and I mean, have a no, whole system of gravity that was different and everything else you know everything's different yeah, yeah. down there it's weird yeah it's it's apparently it's different but i mean it's the holds are there and what's whatever's happening inside is there for the people that are part of these projects to go and continue their research and whatever else they're doing. But us civilians are not allowed to even fly over there to see it or to show evidence of it. And there's like uh, quite a lot of evidence that that's, that's going on. So you think, actually... you think there's still giants down there in, in Antarctica? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that uh, in terms of the giants, I think that, you know, these cases when people go in, 12 go in, six come out and say giants, you know, attack them or whatever, they feel threatened. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. um, they're, they don't feel comfortable living with us uh, on the surface of the planet. So that's why they went under the earth and they established their own colonies and breakaway civilization down there. Um, and so when they encounter us, you know, they just, they feel their existence is threatened. That's why they're, you know, malevolent towards us. That's why they, they, you know, they, they try to kill us off if something like that happens. But I think at this point, they just want to be kind of left alone to continue their existence down there and us to continue ours. Obviously, we can't live side by side. That's been that's tried and that didn't work so well. So, you know, but um, they will continue to be covered up because they they are the proof that they are that they have something to do with our ancestry and they have something to do with our creators and not God, the creator, right. one creator, but like our actual physical so, creators who created this physical body, you know? So let me backtrack to the beginning of this whole story. Cause this is where like, you know, I'm really fascinated and, and don't have a whole lot of understanding. Cause it, this is sort of in that deep murky gray area uh, where I just never expected to find many answers. So I didn't look. So mm -hmm. you mentioned that Osiris, you mm -hmm. know, you felt like he probably was a real person. Uh, mm -hmm. He was one of the um, he was one of the watchers, is what you're saying. One of the two. Yeah, he's kind of his role would be kind of like one of the Anunnaki. He's one of the gods, you know, and that's why the Anun the Sumerian gods cross reference into Egyptian gods, and they cross -re reference into the Greek gods. They cross reference into the Roman gods. And actually, I just wanted to make a point there because I went and I saw the archaeological museum and the museums when I was in Greece, when I was in. In Egypt, and one thing I gotta say is, they all depict the gods the same. Like when I was in in Greece last year, um, I was in their national museum, and there's tons of these plaques, right? And the plaques, in all the plaques, it's always the same theme, same motif, which is you have the humans who are about yay tall, and then you have these gods who are literally double the size, and the humans are tending to the gods. And then you take that same idea of the gods literally being double the size of humans. And when I was in Egypt and I'm looking at all these different temple walls and stuff, 
depictions of Amun-Ra, of, of, you know, Thoth, of Osiris, Anubis, all these gods, always the same idea. You have the god who is twice the size of the human, and the human tends to the god. And then you go to Sumerian, and our, our oldest depiction, you have some of these Sumerian plaques, and you have, um, you know, the same thing. You have the, 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 the gods twice the size as the humans, and the humans are tending to the gods. And then I can kind of tie into my own dream I had that kind of started my whole um, interest in this topic years and years ago. And it was I had this this dream that um, there were these beings that lived here thousands and thousands of years ago. And each of them, and they were beings of light. They're, you know, I'm still kind of trying to decipher that connection there. Sure. But they were massive. They were, like I said, twice our size. And each of them was given a human as their slave to tend to them, you know? And so there was that connection of like these massive beings who created us as slaves to tend to the gods. And then you can tie that into, you know, the pyramids, the ziggurats, what was their original purpose? Well, I believe, and lots of other people believe that the ziggurats were essentially landing pads for these um, aircraft, for these spaceship aircraft, for these saucers that the gods literally came, landed on, and then these massive beings, uh, extraterrestrials, would come down, walk down the steps, and be greeted by the humans. And the reason why they didn't just land on flat planes, but they landed on these ziggurats, which is the original pyramids, um, is because the humans didn't like uh, the humans that weren't the priest class or that weren't like directly connected to them, we were their slaves. So essentially the humans were a slave race. We didn't like them. We didn't like the way they treated us for the most part, right? Other than when we were being given knowledge and stuff like that. So that's why for their safety, they had to land on these, you know, uh, these these pyramid-like structures, ziggurats, where they felt like the humans weren't going to attack them, you know? And that's essentially uh, where pyramid building began, right? And then pyramid building continued to... Uh, you know, other than the ziggurats, you have the Egyptian pyramids and that style pyramid where it's literally a power plant and it's connected in some way to the stars. And I know you want to know where they come from. So I'll tell you what I know. Um, so you have the connections very much to Sirius and the Orion's belt. And that's the Egyptians. So apparently they're extraterrestrials, the gods. They came from Sirius and they came from the Orion's belt area. And the Orion's belt is literally like a band of three stars that projects down to this massive star, Sirius, and apparently that's where those guides came from. Now, what's interesting, you go to Teotihuacan, and I was there last year. I got to say, my favorite place, ancient place I visited. The Teotihuacan three pyramids are built in the same alignment and in the same style, the same arrangement as the three great pyramids. And the Teotihuacan, uh, that's the, in Mexico, right north of Mexico City, Teotihuacan means the city of the gods. And it was not, these these pyramids were not built by the, the Aztecs, right? The Aztecs came much later. The Aztecs took claim of, of that, and, you know, they continued the settlement there, but they were built by the gods, hence the name Teotihuacan, which means city of the gods. And it's exactly the same. Those three pyramids, the pyramid of the sun and the moon and Quetzalcoatl in this case, is the same as the three pyramids of Giza. And then... You know, you have. Uh, I was reading just recently of the the Hopi Indians, and uh, and and there's a few of their major structures also that align to Sirius, and so Sirius kind of becomes this 
you know, where did we come? Okay, if we came from these extraterrestrials, where did they come from? Sirius is mentioned more than Sirius and Pleiades. I think that the Anunnaki apparently come from Pleiades constellation. So you have these two constellations. They're the kind of the two major constellations that apparently the gods. Now, keep in mind, there's not just one set of gods, right? There's one set of extraterrestrials. There's various different types, various different races from various different constellations. These two being the most major ones, Pleiades and, and, and Sirius. So you have Sirians. Yeah, and then Pleiadians. And, and so, so even like when... Yeah. Osiris. Osiris is from Sirius. Yeah, yeah, he's from Sirius. And Pleiades, Pleiades would be uh, Enki and Lil. They're apparently from Pleiades. From the so that's Pleiades interesting. So I never, I never heard that or, or thought about that. That they were like two different sets of these. these oh, there's things. more. Oh, there's yeah. more. Because yeah, because then if you look at the, uh, if you look at the Hindus, right? Now, what's one thing about the Hindu gods that's different than the other god? Same thing. Tall, much, much taller gods, literally double the size. But what's different about them? They have different colors of skin. You have Shiva, blue, Vishnu, blue. Same as Osiris. Well, Osiris is green, right? But mm. So there is also the skin tone is a part of it as well. And then the idea of the Pleiadians or the uh, Anunnaki, the Sumerian gods, being um, they're part reptile. They're reptilians, right? Which so ones that's are? Why the, the, the Sumerian gods, the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki would be reptilians. So they're, that's why in their depictions... They're depicted either as a reptile or they're depicted as a bird. But what's interesting is that bird, uh, who's usually holding some like strange man bag, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you find that same depiction of Quetzalcoatl, let's say in, at Laventa, and Quetzalcoatl, Quetzalcoatl, the feathered serpent, also holding a, a fir his first depiction um, is at Laventa. He's holding also a man bag, and he's this feathered serpent. Again, what's a serpent? A reptile, right? So there's a lot going on, right? But but um, and there's a connection between all these things that, according to our history, never intermingled, right? According to our history, they teach in history books that prior to 1500, when Hernan Cortes came down with the conquistadors to you know uh, 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 to attack the Aztecs and and just you know reform that whole area into Christianity uh, and literally destroyed those empires. Um, they say that there was no contact between the East and the Western world, right? And this is what they teach. But then when you look at these ancient structures, Quetzalcoatl, Kukulkan, the great drag, lung dragon of China, right? It's literally the exact same being, you know? It's the, and, and, and it's always the same mythology that follows that being, which is that this being came from the stars. He came in some kind of flying aircraft. There was usually a trail of smoke, and then they describe it, you know, smoke, trembling, all this stuff. This is where Eric Von Denikin's work comes in. And well, it's interesting because, like, the Native Americans, if you read read a lot, uh, like a lot of their their stories and stuff, you'll find in there their stories of these thunderbirds mm. that were like these shining silver birds that would fly overhead and that made this sound like thunder as they flew by. <laughs> and, and, what is that? You know? Yeah, like... I've I've always I've always found that fascinating and like. I never prompted my kids, but like they like to read the mythology books and mm. stuff we have around the house. And like my kids came running in there one day and they were like, Dad, what if they're talking about airplanes? And I was like, Close, right? What if they're talking know, about spacecraft? Because they know. can zigzag. They have the propulsion system. They have the, you know, that, that, that G force. And um, I mean, they, right at the end of the day, right? Like the, the Vikings had stories of giants too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they were. Spread. 
Yeah, the Vikings. The Vikings had stories of giants. I, I actually have wondered before if, like the you know, the Vikings had like Midgard and Utgard and whatever else. I forget all the the different lands off the top yeah, of my man. head, but yeah, yeah. they had these different realms, and um, but there's seven of them, mm-hmm. and so it's mm-hmm. like you could look at that figuratively, and, and like it's the seven chakras or something. Exactly. But, yeah. But at this, but at the same time, because everything is everything, you know, hermetically speaking, yeah. uh, and we live in a fractal simulation more or less. Uh, I also think that the seven, um, the seven realms that they're talking about might be like the seven continents because they'll There's they actually yeah. they'll describe in the uh, just go anyone can go Google the like the seven realms of of Nordic uh, mythology or whatever. And, like, they describe, you know, like, the fiery lands of the desert, like, down in Egypt. And uh, mm-hmm. they land of the fire giants is what they called it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then Midgard, you know, was, like, the the land of the other giants or whatever. But it's, um, when you look at those those descriptions, like, there's a lot of talk in Nordic, in Nordic mythology about giants. And some of them were in, like, a desert place to the south of the Nordic realm, you know, which mm-hmm. is where Egypt is. Right, um, right. And so anyway, yeah, there's just these these stories of giants are all over the place. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say that there's no connection between all of these clearly similar things, right? All of these very similar stories. It's a lot of coincidence. Yeah, it's like it's like how could it be coincidence though? You know what I'm yeah. saying? I think it's clear that a we know giants exist because we excavated them. In terms mm-hmm. of extraterrestrials, I can't say this is irrefutable proof. These flesh and blood extraterrestrials exist. I can just give you theories, you know, and then we could say, okay, well, were they interdimensional or were they flesh and blood? Could they phase in and out of reality? Can they come into our 3D reality and then pop back into theirs? I don't know, right? I mean, all these are different theories, but um, if these giants, I think the giants are the link to getting the most credible proof as to who the extraterrestrials were and because the giants were uh, 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 like massive beings and we have physical proof of that I believe that they came and their ancestors were also uh, a massive beings but b um, so I, I mean physical beings right, right. because I, I don't think that a non-physical being can impregnate a physical being I think that that's just against the laws of nature physics i don't think it's possible like mary was not mary was not given you know joseph impregnated mary if that story is even true about jesus we can get into that another time but you know you know he was the son of god right he was a prototype of this this great kundalini experience but you know she wasn't impregnated by something that's not physical i don't think that that's possible hence i would have to make the claim that extraterrestrials the fathers of the giants were also physical beings but i don't have You know, I don't have some proof that I can... All yeah, I got is no, these stories, right? I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. And, I, you know, for me, the the astronomy and astrology, those components of it are what make, you know, make make that the most compelling. Right. I always right. saw it as, you know, we talked about this before, but, like, I always just saw it as through some means, probably accidental psychedelic ingestion, I always felt like that some slightly primitive ancestor of humans... Um, gained access to some higher state and their DNA was changed. And so when they gave birth to a, their next child that they had with their, with their ape husband or whatever, mm-hmm. what came out 
was something smarter, something, something smarter, developed. something, yeah. something much, much smarter. Right. We've always right, met right. some really smart, precocious little kid that was like 10 times smarter than their mom and dad put together. You know, yeah. my kids are a good example of that. Um, the, the only thing that I will say to that theory is um, if, if that is the case and we are animals, then why is it that other animals other than humans who apparently came from, you know, according to Darwin, came from monkeys and stuff? Why is it that other animals are not having those types of experiences, that they're coming out more evolved? Why is it that just that happened once in history, as far as I know, and it happened to us? You know what I'm saying? I would say that there was an intervention. There was yeah. an intervention that took place. Maybe, according to your theory, something from not of this realm, something extraterrestrial, something interdimensional decided, sure, I will give you know, intelligence to this being, this, you know, monkey-like being, because I like them, they look like us, they walk on two feet, so let's have them develop. And it was through something like what you just described. I'll buy that, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But I believe that an intervention took place. Something gave us that experience, or something tinkered with our DNA to start this process of evolution that's been going on for thousands of years, where we are the dominant species, we're literally learning how to live together on this planet to not destroy it, to not destroy the animals, nature, and all of that. And we're having a hard time and, and ourselves in the process. But it's due to intelligence that we obtained in some way. And you want me to tell you, hmm. you want me to tell you a really cool story that you've probably never heard that you'll like. Go for it. A whole lot, and it kind of give it it, it, it gives you. Um, gives your idea probably more basis than mine or more foundation or more support. It's better evidence for your claim than mine. So there, there is a, um, <clears throat> there's a tribe of, 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 of indigenous Native Americans up, up in your part of the world called mm -hmm. the Ojibwe. Oh, dude, yeah. I know so lots about him, but go on, yeah. So, so there's yeah. the, uh, well, then you might know this story, but so like there's the Ojibwe and like the whole Algonquin like or Iroquois Federation, right? There's all uh -huh. those those northeastern Native Americans up from New England up into mm -hmm. uh, eastern Canada and stuff like that. Now, there is a tribe up there called that's part of that whole federation that speaks Ojibwe and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and the tribe is called the Abenaki. What? And, I didn't know that. <laughs> and they took their name from these glowing beings that came out of the sky down from the east. Oh, but and, Adam, that's a coincidence. Yeah, it's, it's obviously a coincidence. <laughs> right? So I've been I've been sitting on this intel. I love that. I didn't know that. I'm gonna research that now. So you can look that. up Abenaki. It's A B A B E N A K I. Aben not like Abe N A K I. Abenaki. Abenaki. Change a few words. Same story. And that's crazy. And so that. here's what's really neat. Um, is that uh, and I have a book called um, it's uh. It's called the the Mide Way, M M I D E Way or Mida Mida Way. I don't know, but it's uh, it's an Ojibwe uh, shamanic sort of um, uh, compendium, like a little like a documentation thing for the spiritual belief system of the Abenaki and the Ojibwe people. And the reason why it's so fascinating to me is because these Abenaki beings, these glowing when you hear glowing, I always think of, you know, some sort of angelic you know, or angelic being from, or whatever from up above, from yeah. up above, descending from the east, which sure, I also sure. thought was interesting, um, mm -hmm. because also if Atlantis were to sink and it's off in the 
in the Atlantic, where would the where would these beings be coming from? Right, they yeah. would be coming from the east. <laughs> and so anyway, they taught them this secret religion, <laughs> and this is what I find really fascinating, is that they taught the people, the Abenaki tribesmen, the Ojibwe and Algonquin and Iroquois, they they taught them a secret religion. And when you study this religion, it's 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 insanely similar to Freemasonry. Wow. And this is an ancient thing, and it's based on like having the three triptych doorways wow. in okay. in the temple, in the lodge, and and it's actually called the the the, the like the medicine lodge, wow. the um the grand it's called the Grand Medicine Society of the Ojibwe and the Abenaki, <laughs> and um it's really fascinating for you know someone who anyone who's like sort of read a little bit about Freemasonry and about the, the way that it, the, the ceremony works and the way that they pass out, pass down knowledge through that society. Um, you have, uh, if you trace that, that information far enough back, if you trace Freemasonry far enough back, you, you tend to run into these sort of Anunnaki bloodlines and the, yeah, yeah, the, absolutely. It's the royal bloodlines of, of ancient Samaria and Egypt and all of that. <laughs> and so it uh anyway i thought you'd find that fascinating and oh, what, the, the name itself just gives it away it's crazy and what's also what i find really fascinating is that you know in all of my studies about native americans it's clear that you know they've always been pretty much obliterated you know by um yeah. by the you know european culture um but in particular the ojibwe were like the targets of a of a genetic, like a genocide, the likes of which I've never, I've never read about anything like this happening, but like early 1900s, I mean, very recently, 1920, 1930, 1940, they were still massively targeting that particular tribe of people to eliminate their DNA. Wow. And, th wow. and I, I think I that's, that. yeah, they were sterilizing the kids. They were killing the kids. They were killing the old people. They just, it seemed like there was a targeted, and you can read about like the the, the specific eugenic targeting of the Ojibwe people, <clears throat> and so I just always think about like the Abenaki, the Ojibwe people. They got this knowledge from these glowing beings that come down from the sky out of the east. They teach them this secret religion, and then thousands of years later, whenever Western culture comes back around and and realizes who they're dealing with, they're like, "Holy shit, we got to do what it. Is. We, we got to get rid of, of their guys. DNA. We got to get yeah. rid of these guys." You know. you know, it's interesting, I actually mentioned the Ojibwe. Uh, last year, I was in Petroglyphs Park, and it has the Ojibwe teaching rocks. And it's the first time I saw petroglyphs, like, in person, and because I was very interested in petroglyphs for a long time, because this is the depiction of our natives, of what they saw, what they had contact with. And what's interesting is that it's picturesque forms. So they draw these, you know, different uh, forms and things. And what's interesting about these teaching rocks, and I was fascinated by it, and it could be related to what you were just saying, they, they sh again, it was the same depiction. It's always the same thing. You have the human being depicted, and then you have some being behind or that's descending from the sky, and that being is always twice as big as the human. It's got some kind of uh, strange different head, some antenna or something like that, like the Hopi Indians, to, they call them the ant people, you know, and and... And it's always the same story. They're descending from the sky, um, and they're teaching humans, and then they ascend back in the sky. And it could be, you know, a reference to what you were saying. The well, because that's what the Anunnaki essentially were, right? Yeah. They came to the sky, civilized us, and then left. 
right? And it's everywhere. It's, it's all these different uh, petroglyphs all over the world. They're showing these same depictions, you know? And one just has to kind of make the, connect the dots, you know what I mean? And, and you get like an interesting story here, that a narrative that's not being taught in school or anything like that. But when you see so much of it, and when you see it in person as well, it's like irrefutable claims that there's something there and that there were some beings real or not physical or not that you know we have a connection to that civilized us and they gave us knowledge and then they left and let yeah. us fend for ourselves and that's been the case now for quite a while we've been fending for ourselves and sadly not doing a good job hopefully it'll pick up yeah the um i was always curious as a kid like why the uh the royal family, uh, like all the different royal families and stuff, why they always wanted to keep their marriages and their bloodlines and preserve. But that's it, right? That's. And we should have... also, if we're gonna talk about the giants, we gotta we gotta get into the elongated heads. I oh yeah, that's... for sure. Talk about we well, so we yeah. Miss out on that because I I have some stuff I almost here skipped right over it. As well, um, related to when I was so when I was in Egypt, let me show you a couple artifacts I got. Yeah. Elongated heads. In this case, it's our boy Akhenaten, the first monotheist in history, and he is depicted like this. Look yeah. at that. That's from Egypt. And so these elongated heads are found all over the place, and in some way they're connected to A, the giants, B, the royal bloodline, right? And uh, see extraterrestrials, you know, beings from outer space. And check out King Tut, Tutankhamen. Yeah. That's, look at that. Yeah. And then you have this guy's wife, uh, Nefertari or Nefertiti. And she, I mean, no, that's him. But I have her in the other room. Um, and also she's got that big, right? That's where they get the idea of these giant headgear that even the Pope wears, right? He's got that giant headgear, which is like a, a Dogon fish, which again connects to there was something back in the day, priest class. The priest class had elongated heads, but they didn't want the other uh, you know, humans to know. So they covered it up with headgear. That's where you got the idea of these giant, even like royalty. What did they wear? The top hats, right? And yeah. they cover up that the idea of covering up what's what's behind the head there so you don't see the elongated skull. Well, I will say that like you can go look at the um like the ceremonial like priest garb for like the the sumerians and the babylonian priesthood and stuff like that and it's 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 the exact same gear that the, the pope is wearing today yeah it's the dogon hat that's a dogon um sorry not dagon dagon, dagon. yeah it's a the dagon the fish, apkalu, hat. The fish the fish the fish head there's there were seven of them the apkalu and uh, they came to civilize humanity they were apparently sent by uh, and uh, and Lil, I think story something like that. And uh, again, civilizer deity. They came. They the fish head, which means that they survived the flood, right? Anything that you see with the I fish. I always wonder is, where that came from. The the yeah. fish head. That so that's well, what it, you're it, thinking. It it means that they survived the flood. So they're either of Atlantean origin. They're pre-Adamites, which that's another term for these guys. Pre-Adamites, meaning they came literally before Adam. Yeah, they they had took part in creating Adam and Eve, right, in the Garden of Eden. And so they're shown with the mitre head, right? So the mitre hat of the Pope is literally like the Do uh, Degu priest, is it called? I forget, Dogon Degu. Dagon, I think is D-A-G-O-N. But again, then the Dagon is connected to who? The Dogon, right? Then the Dogon tribe has also a similar story in their tradition as well. 
of ancestors beings, you know, uh, coming from the stars, and you know, and it's, it's everywhere, right? It's something you get so much of this information, you start confusing one with the other. The words are so similar, and you start to realize, holy shit, they're they're all talking about the same. They all had similar encounters, you know. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. The mitre hat, the mitre hat of the Pope. Exactly. So, so you see Babylon, right? Assyria, right? So the idea is that these beings, the Apkalu, they survived the flood. And so they're shown with the fish because what's one, you know, a fish can survive water, right? It can survive the flood. So that's to show that lineage. But then you see the Pope, you know, of the, of the Dagon, yeah? And the fish god of Babylon. So you see then the Pope is uh, related to that. He's kind of a, a descendant of that, of those beings. You know, they were priest kings, right? So who's a pope? The pope is a priest, but he also has kingship over, you know, um, over us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's really crazy stuff because there's, um, you know, t to me, like, the reason why all this stuff matters, you know, in, in addition to the fact that it connects us to our origins is also that it, it understanding all this stuff and understanding why it was covered up will lead you to understanding who's calling the shots now right, right. and and why things are um you know why things are are in the state that they're in you know for better or worse why they exactly, why things are right? going the way they're going and and there's stuff like the Catholic Church seeing the pope wearing this outfit that is exactly the same outfit that Babylonian priests were wearing 5,000 years ago during like ritual child sacrifice ceremony. They're trying to say something, you know, they're saying something. They're continuing yeah. a lineage of something. They're continuing a lineage of something. And then if there's a lineage there that's been preserved so well that the Pope is still wearing the same damn hat that these guys were wearing 5,000 years ago, that's a pretty well-preserved lineage. Mm. And you can start to understand the psychology of the kinds of people that feel the need to preserve that lineage as, as closely as they do and not and, tell us about it right they don't want right. us knowing there's all these hidden things that we don't know about but when you look into the occult and in history and all this stuff we're talking about you make the connection but then you say well wait a second why why aren't they out in the open about it well because that's part of it's like a ritual the whole thing is a ritual their control over us right now is a ritual that's been going on for thousands and thousands of years it's just that it's no longer in the open because we rebelled at some point in time, and they don't want us to rebel. They want us to continue having control. So they they have these rituals and things that they perform through celebrities and things like that, and they through the media, and that's how they maintain control. But they're still in their minds. They're still that that you know. They're still the descendants of Cain. They're still the descendants of of the Anunnaki. In their minds, they are superior to us. They're gods, but they're no longer. They're not going to tell it to you. They're going to be behind the scenes and call the shots and put people in power that we think are leading the countries and all that. But they're not. They're pawns behind these people who control everything. The Illuminati. Anyways, we don't have to we don't have to go down that rabbit hole right now. But the Giants leads right into the Illuminati. You know, the Canaanites, the bloodlines of Cain, the the uh, the bloodline of Lucifer. They believe that they're the bloodline of Lucifer, you know, and, and they are still calling the shots they're still god kings you know boom is that a so, real picture of that, that is that that's a rockefeller a real... or no 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 this, so this, is, this is a picture of jacob rothschild for anyone rothschild. who's watching on youtube Holy shit, dude is that real that's real 100 that's why i pulled it up 
Holy crap! I we're didn't see that. We're talking about elongated heads here, and this oh being uh, this this is uh, this is a physical characteristic of these bloodlines of the Anunnaki, um, of the, the the bad people who run the world. And then here we have probably, arguably the most powerful, if not certainly one of the top two or three most powerful people on the planet, is Jacob yep, Rothschild, yep, yep, yep. who owns. All of the central banks on the planet, pretty much, he prints the money for the United States, for England, for for everybody in Europe. I mean, these these guys are uh, have more money than than anyone you could. They don't show up on the Forbes richest five hundred list because they don't want to be on there. Oh, these, this guy's been running the show for you know for a very very long time. Yeah, his, his family's been running stuff for for hundreds of years, but their yeah. their lineage has been doing this for thousands of years. Um, yeah. And yeah, and they're not gotten... connected there to the Nazis, and it's all it's all one giant cover up, you know, and one giant power struggle. And uh, they're still reenacting these rituals, you know. They're still, um, I mean, we don't have to go down that path. We can, but they're still they're still involved in the occult, and we don't know it. So you know? to to do another throwback to Michael Tessarian, so anyone who wants to look him up, Michael uh, T S A R I O N, and he um, he did a breakdown. This guy's so thorough and so detailed, but he did a breakdown using like ancient Sumerian text, and he had like this ceremony that was on a temple wall or something in Babylon, and then he showed the queen's coronation ceremony from like 1952 when she became queen, yeah. and there's video of the ceremony. And then yeah. he shows step by step the ritual of this sort of tarot and astrology driven ceremony of the Babylonian fish kings and queens. Mm-hmm. And it shows that ceremony. And then step by step, he breaks down the queens, the Queen of England, and, Queen Elizabeth. And it's fucking step by step. It's, it's the, the same, same thing. It's, it's the it's, same. It's all. It's a cult ceremony by yeah. the same bloodlines of people who've been in power in these different families throughout different dynasties throughout the history of the world, all going back apparently to this lineage of giant elongated headed humanoids. The Nephilim, we have the Nephilim and then we have their fathers, the, the, uh, the fallen angels, the watchers, which is literally the gods, you know, we have the gods and then we have the demigods. Keep in mind the Nephilim are the demigods. They were the, they were the God Kings, right? But the pagan gods are the actual, extraterrestrials they're the anunnaki they're the you know egyptian gods so you you know you'd have like you know hercules and achilles and stuff like that you think that they were they were nephilim yes exactly so you have exactly so you have in in greece especially zeus loves to come down you know have sex with human women same story out of out of these sexual encounters come superior beings from achilles hercules name them all you know and these guys have special powers you know some are larger than others some are not some are just have incredible strength some are immortal like invincible or well nearly invincible like achilles right and so there's always the same story the same story being brought down from generation to generation in different uh, traditions right and it's all literally uh all these major you know um ancient civilizations they tell the same story over and over just different characters different plots but the same meanings you know to this crazy it's incredible man the giants thing is super cool to me um you know anybody who's interested in the giant stuff just you can google just almost anything um and go follow the rabbit 
the rabbit holes where they where they go. But there's, like I said, there's microfilm for newspapers. Just go pick any random town throughout the, <coughs> the United States, particularly that you know. I think the, the southwest. Eight, there's a lot in the southwest. Southwest, particularly. Yeah. Well, dude, um, you'd be blown away. Like, so we had this road trip planned up to Ohio this summer until you know things went weird with the whole coronavirus thing. But yeah. um, there's like Moundville, uh, Mississippi, I think, or Alabama. But anyway, it's all up, all up the um, the Mississippi River Valley up into uh, uh, Ohio and. There's countless Indian mounds they've found that have giants in them. And, and mm. I always thought that, like, the Southwest and all that stuff was where all of it was. Uh, certainly, it's if you want to go see the, the cliff palaces and all that stuff of Mesa Verde and everything, like, that stuff's all beautiful. Oh, yeah, it's... I was going to say, that's that's on my list of things. In fact, as soon as all this stuff calms down, when I go down to the States, boom, I'm going to the Mesa Verde National Park. The Four Corners region. Yeah, hey, you got to come by, man. We should organize something. No, we'll definitely hook up down there's there because a, there's I, a lot going on there, man. Many sites, many sites. Yeah, we've 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 been all over that place. I I, I don't know if we've been to every single site, but we've been to a couple mm. dozen oh, so you've sites. Been there. Yeah, yeah. And um and they're they're amazing, man. They're they're really really amazing because you see the way that they they built things. You see the alignments that there are to yeah, yeah, yeah. to things that you're there, and the tour guides have no idea, right? It's like mm. just some freshman college kid some freshman college kid that's like you know trying to tell you how they're making concrete for 45 minutes and i'm like man there's right. a lot a lot more cool <laughs> shit here to talk about than how they made the mortar for their fucking bricks um but uh no no we'll definitely hook up on that um there's lots of cool stuff to look at and then up in like the, uh, the ohio i said mississippi but i meant the ohio river valley there's uh there's a lot of crazy stuff like this will blow a lot of people's minds and probably won't make sense to a lot of people, but it's it's true and it's crazy. But like the the Egyptian influence in Ohio and New you England were telling me about that. Yeah, is yeah. strong. It's really strong. And uh, there are even things like the Hamza hand, you know, people know about the yeah, Hamza yeah, yeah. hand where you yeah, got yeah. like the eye of God in the middle of the hand. Like that's a Mississippian like Native American symbol. Wow. I didn't and then you that. find it in India from thousands mm-hmm. of years ago and just the names, Jerusalem, the words, yeah. the language, all that stuff is the uh, meanings are the same, right? Just yeah. how did how did it end up there, right? Like yeah, all of the connection. ancient Gaelic and Irish, and this is coming from Michael Tessarian, but like ancient Gaelic, uh, uh, Celtic, Irish, and then ancient Greek are almost identical, and then all of the Iroquois language from like the eastern part of the U.S. is also almost identical, mm-hmm. and so again. You know, it's not hard to imagine how if there was some big, beautiful island in the middle of the Atlantic where people were 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 sailing off west to go to America and they were sailing off east to go to uh, to Europe, to Greece, to Ireland, uh, all the way in through the Mediterranean up to Egypt, um, all over the the northwestern um, uh, coast, like of Morocco and stuff, uh, where at nor- northwestern Africa, there's there would have been a diffusion from right. that that yeah. central island where people would have would have uh, traded and 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 had vacation homes or had trade routes yeah, and yeah, and yeah, their yeah. language uh, potentially children and lineage and bloodline all would have gone to those places and um, the more I looked into that the more I realized that Jesus Christ they have to keep this stuff hidden they have to because it's right. it, it what it tells us is that people were so connected back then and we were connected through a common belief system and a common sense of spirituality and a common mm-hmm. understanding of the cosmos 
Yes. And what what I see when I look back that far in, in history at that hyper connective connect uh, connectivity that we had is and Tessarian talks about this, too. Um, for instance, the uh, the uh, the Aryan people, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we think of as like white Nazi people. But that's really comes from northern India. There's all this yeah. other stuff. But the point is. Uh, Tessarian makes the case that, uh, and I think very well, that the Aryan people had nothing to do with their skin color. It had nothing to do with no, their race. Yeah. These were people of a certain mindset, a certain yeah. level of enlightenment. Um, as people of who who were considered sort of enlightened um, people, and you don't want, you know, if you're if you're in the business of keeping people fighting each other, you don't you don't want them to think that, you know, they could they could uh, transcend all the the skin right. color and, and all of together the, and peace and yeah. harmony yeah you got to keep yeah. fighting with each other I, I would recommend everybody look into michael tessarian's irish origins of civilization with the one caveat that i i do think that ultimately his conclusion conclusions just off by one step um yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got a lot of that irish yeah a lot of irish nationalism going on but but the information is still good you just got to push past his ceiling the glass ceiling of ireland was it it's like no it was Atlantis and it was all of all of these things, you know, our island has no special claim to any of this shit. It's it's the Atlantean unified mm -hmm. origins um, and all of that stuff, too. But anyway, man, uh, we're we're up on two hours now. I think uh, this has been a fucking action yeah, cool, man. conversation yeah, as some... always. And then we stuck to the topic this time. We did the Giants. I'm proud of us for this. <laughs> we usually go off on way, way different topics. Dude, I was nervous. JC's not here. And I was like, man, if JC's not here, how are we going to keep this thing on the rails? Because Nevin and I have very little chance. But we did it. <laughs> no, actually, well, it's good, you know, and it's good that we do it uh, this way, let's say. And you tell me beforehand, okay, let's talk just magic. And let's talk, you know, hermeticism one podcast and let's talk kundalini and let's talk eastern spirituality and this this time we're talking giants you know and that way we're kind of staying in the same ballpark of you know topics and things well it's good because it, it makes it where people whenever they want to listen you know when they go look up a video and it's right, like yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to, to put about a, this boom put that on yep it's hard to put on a you know to even come up with a title for some of the shit that we the conversations we've had because well, we're, they were going we're going on tangents <laughs> right i'm talking kundalini here then hermeticism then giants then boom you know and but you know what for you to have to cut it up right this way you just throw it on and cool we got a whole well, two yeah hours. I'll get to release. I'll get to release this one before any of the other stuff comes I out. Yeah. This one's liable to come out next on. week. Yeah, but I love it. And for anyone listening to this, we've got um, we've been having conversations with Nevin because I guess you're probably going to hear this episode first. But we've uh, we've been having conversations with Nevin that have been just absolutely incredible, deep conversations about Anaki and magic, about Kundalini, the chakras, about astrology, about uh, hermeticism. Um, and all kinds of stuff. So like this is this has been I don't know our third or fourth conversation. These things run yeah. several hours a piece. Yeah, it's usually longer. <laughs> yeah, hours, yeah. Hours, two to three hours. Yeah, but two to three hours. But now we're just doing one topic, so that's good. I feel like okay, I can't think of anything else Giants related that I can share. Maybe one or two things, but nothing major. You know, most yeah, of yeah. it out there. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. Long as we can get it out there, man. Well, as as always, dude. I appreciate it very much. And um, yeah, I love this, man. We gotta. I'm here anytime. Yeah. Yeah. So let everybody know again where to find you since this episode is going to go out first. Let sure, everybody know. Sure. Uh, yes. Yeah, so my website is www.nevenpar.com. That's N-E-V-E-N-P-A-A-R.com. 
And I spent a lot of time communicating with people through Instagram, which you can also link that on my website. But uh, on Instagram, I'm at uh, my link is at Winged Shoes Publishing, which is my uh, publishing company. Uh, so it's again at Winged Shoes Publishing. Yeah. Yep, and that's winged like winged. With, an, with an ed. Winged shoes yeah. publishing like the Greek god Hermes. Or let me show you. Let me show you where the inspiration behind that is. Well, there's. I can also show you my tattoos on my feet, but winged oh, I love it. shoes. Winged shoes. There we go. And, and to show you my level of commitment. And now I got, look at that. I got my wings. Wing I got foot. my wings on all my feet here. I dig Hermes. it, man. Hermes. I, uh, I need to get now. I got to get wing tattoos on my feet, <laughs> but maybe not. That shit seems like it could be be painful. I was that was a good six hours, four wings on each side. Yeah. But uh, I've been meaning to do it. You know, that's my patron god, my inspiration, my my inspiration on this whole journey since my Kundalini awakening to getting into the Golden Dawn, to learning about Hermeticism, the Kabbalion. It's always been. One central figure, it's been Hermes, Thrice Magistus, Hermes, Mercury, Thoth, the Greek, Egyptian, Roman god. And so that's my inspiration behind all of my work and uh, learning about all this stuff. It's all been Hermes, man. Do you ever see my tattoo on my upper arm? No, or unless you maybe showed me last time. Oh, dude, there you go. The moon god Thoth. I love that. That's amazing. I want it. <laughs> oh, nice. You got the eye horse. Beautiful. Awesome, dude. I love it. You got great tattoos. Yeah, yeah, man. That's it. And then we got to. I see. I see the stuff yeah. back there. Oh, you yeah. Got I got back, my... back here behind us. I got my thought back here, even though, dude, I got. We'll have to do We're a showing nerds. of all my statues. I literally have. I collected. I it. I've spent thousands of dollars. I've decided to include Buddha here, but. I got man, I got statues of every god and goddess from every religion and I love it. There. Yeah, we're 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 all about inclusivity around here. If I can find a god that I can resonate with that like has stories about him that I enjoy or yeah, that in yeah. some way to me, you know, really the gods have always been a reflection of internal characteristics of the human condition, you know. And whenever you venerate these different gods, it really it venerates those certain aspects you embody guys, their powers. You embody their powers within you, right? So it's to me, it's the, the the more gods you can find to have a relationship with and understand, the better. So that's kind of how we that's kind of how we operate too, that's man. Amazing. Well, I appreciate it very much, dude. Um, as always, and we'll do this again. Thank you. And for everybody listening and watching, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys have enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. And again, we've got a lot more coming with uh, with Nevin and with JC and myself, um, and we're kind of chopping these up and editing these to, to give you guys different information on different topics that you're interested in. So make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure you stick around for that stuff. You don't want to miss out. I promise it's really good shit. Uh, and then share this stuff with your friends and make sure that we get, uh, you know, get some love. If you don't mind, give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. Uh, give us a comment. And, uh, and give us some ratings on the different um, the different uh, platforms, whatever it is that you're listening on, like iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever. But I think that uh, without being an expert in the algorithms and how they work, I think that we get some pretty major bumps and in, 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 um, uh, like boosts and bonuses to the algorithm if you, if you leave comments and ratings and stuff. So please, please, please do that, even if it's really simple. Uh, also, any questions that you have, 
if you got any questions that you want us to address um, with uh, with any one of our friends that we do any podcasts with, uh, we have access to everybody. I can ask Nevin questions if you got questions for Nevin. Uh, if you get questions for us, ask us. Um, and other than that, you guys can find us on wayfinderpodcast.com. And from there, you can link to any other platform that you want to listen to, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, whatever. And, of course, we're on Instagram, one of uh, my favorite places to communicate, uh, just Wayfinder Podcast. And that's uh, that's going to be all for today with Giants, with Nevin Parr, with me, Adam, here at Wayfinder. May the light be with you. May peace be within you. And may you be a son on the paths of all men. Peace Fiat out, guys. Looks. That's it. Let there be light.